It's as easy as jumping out of a plane. It's the Your Life Live Well podcast with Dr. Kevin Payne. Oh, look on the bright side. Smile. Oh, things could be worse. You know, these are some of those those just absolutely infuriating things that people say to you when you've got a chronic illness. And and you want to respond, you know, I'm an adult and I'm perfectly capable of determining whether this is a crappy day or not. And on the one hand, that is absolutely true. On the other hand, a, a modest proposal that I want to put forward for you today is that you're going to be experiencing this day one way or another. You might as well try to look on the bright side. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to unpack that a little bit. When people tell us to look on the bright side, that, that clause is usually followed by an by a well-meaning, inane, and useless observation that makes us cringe or seethe, right? But I really don't mean this in the whole little orphan Annie belting out the strains of tomorrow, you know, to the cheap seats. I don't mean it in that sense. In my mind, it looks more like the grim, ironic final scene of Monty Python's Life of Brian. Always look on the bright side of life. If you have not seen it, look it up. And I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) So why do we get so infuriated when people tell us to look on the bright side? Yeah. Allow me to think about it for a second. Well, there are certainly some absolutely justified reasons why we we get miffed. There are also a couple that are things that we commonly feel that may not be positive reasons for why we respond that way. So, it's one of these reasons why we get infuriated that gets us upset, which we probably shouldn't get upset, is that they're telling us what to do, and we want to exert our agency. We want to exert our sense of control, and by golly, we choose to feel miserable. Okay, that's pretty lame when you think about it. Um, they're not controlling you. They're, they're making a suggestion. And a lot of times, the reason why they're suggesting it is because they're at a loss. They just really don't know anything positive to say, and they're probably cringing themselves when they say it. So, we want to exert our agency, and by golly, we've chosen to be miserable people right at this moment. And you're not going to get in the way of that. Uh, Kind of a sketchy reason. A second reason even deeper that we sometimes have this response is we feel guilt. We feel guilt. We feel frustration over not already being happy. And if we're not that happy, then that brings up all kinds of self-doubt and a sense of, oh, why are we so deficient? that we are not happy, that we cannot be happy, that we failed to be happy, and other people have noticed. And we don't like being called on that. Because somehow there is that expectation, especially in our culture. Americans are really bad about this. And this is one of those things that 
many other societies around the world look at us kind of askance and like, why do you people think you should be so happy all the time? You can just be. And that's all right. We forget that there's a big old alternative to being happy also, and it's not being miserable. It's just being eh, neutral, right? Most of life is probably that way because most of the time we're doing stuff that is not necessarily happy-inducing. We're working, we're doing administrivia, we're, you know, doing boring activities. A lot of humans... This is why, in the movies, most of the stuff that we do in life is cut out. You don't have a scene where people go to the bathroom in the movies unless something exceptional is going to happen in that scene. Why? Because it's boring and kind of icky and, and uh, you know, but a lot of our lives are like that. So, I want you to ask yourself, why do you have a difficult time seeing the bright side of things? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not casting stones here. I do this too. But specifically, what gets in your way? What gets in your way? Here's a hint. If your answers start with someone else did this, that, or the other, then you are looking in the wrong place. You're just flat out looking in the wrong place. You can't control other people. You just can't. And you will set yourself up for a disastrous, ruinous, disappointing life if you keep insisting on that. You do, as we will see, have some choice in how you frame things. But it's not easy. And it's not simply a matter of a choice. If it was a matter of a choice, we'd all be walking around uh, delighted in the world. Actually, we might not, because there are a lot of good reasons why we're not happy all the time. My point here is, when we are faced with something negative, like a chronic illness, which path do we choose? Do we choose to go down to that dark, depressing, awful place? Or do we look on the bright side? And really, 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 I'm telling you, if you have not seen the last scene of Monty Python's Life of Brian, you need to do this. It should make you laugh. Or, or you'll be completely shocked at the scandal of it all. One of the two. Um, I'm hoping you have a good sense of humor. So if we want to look on the bright side, just like everything else, we've got to learn how to do it. We've got to train ourselves how to do it. It's not something that comes naturally. In fact, in the next segment, I'm going to walk us through several factors that we all have working against us when we try to make this choice for a more positive life. I'm Dr. Kevin Payne. Just jump with me into your life lived well. Half of us now live with chronic illness. Mine is multiple sclerosis. It's your life. Live it well. A chronic diagnosis doesn't mean goodbye to the good life you wanted. You don't have to feel overwhelmed or hopeless. I'll show you how to save yourself. Take your first step at justjump.life.
When we're struggling to find a positive mindset, we've got a lot of natural factors working against us. It turns out that, that just in general, we're adapted to look more on the negative side of things in a lot of different ways. And the reason why is because historically that's been adaptive and it's helped keep us alive. When you live in a world where the things that are bad are likely also things that would kill you, <laughs> this is this is a good tendency to have uh, adapted into your species. But we have created a world for ourselves where the bad things are usually not stuff that's going to kill you. Okay, I mean, I've, I've heard some bad pop music that made me want to claw my ears out. Generally speaking, the bad stuff is not so bad that, that you're going to die from it. And yet, almost all of our strategies are kind of predicated on that. So, I want to talk a little bit about some of these factors that we're all working against. And the first one, I love this term. It's, it is a, a long-standing finding in the social and behavioral sciences. It's something called automatic vigilance. And it turns out that humans, unconsciously, subconsciously, preconsciously, without any kind of conscious direction whatsoever, we are attuned to seeing bad things. They pop out against their backgrounds as salient. They draw our attentions. And, and you know, we, we complain sometimes about the news and, and the whole if it bleeds, it leads sort of thing. But this is automatic vigilance. This is what we are attuned to. We, we will notice the negatives far more quickly and consistently than the positives. Just as simple as that, you know? We're, we are going to notice the negatives. So already we have a bias right out of the box for noticing bad stuff or potentially bad stuff. Because a lot of times we don't know whether it's bad or not, but it's, it's got the sneaking suspicion of being close to looking like something that may possibly be bad, and so we don't want to take a chance. The second factor that we have working against us we'll call anxiety and catastrophizing. Okay? So, anxiety is anticipated fear and pain. You're, you're preloading your awful experience. When we are uncertain, when we sense something negative, then we are likely to feel anxiety. Turns out that humans are, are really awful at prognosticating. <laughs> we, don't, we don't predict very well, and when we do predict, we tend to go to the worst-case scenario, and that's catastrophizing. We tend to presume something awful is headed down the pike. A third human tendency that we're working against are our expectations. So, on the one hand, we may just have really, really low, awful expectations. And if so, why would we want to go eagerly forward into a future where everything is expected to be so dismal and grim and awful and painful. But we also, many of us, have really high over-expectations. 
It's like, oh, I'm going to win this time. I'm going to get it. And, you know, they're going to play the lottery for the thousandth time and still probably going to lose. So when we have really high expectations and we're disappointed, then we tend to really react negatively to that disappointment. A fourth factor that we're working against is our tendency to social comparison. We compare ourselves to other people. And especially in our modern digital age, we're not comparing ourselves to, say, Marge next door. We're comparing ourselves to processed, curated exemplars, right? So it's people, and it's, and it's a highly processed, very selective window into something that is probably adjacent to their lives. In the 20th century, this became noticeable because we had true mass media for the first time, and we had movies and records, and we had this pop culture that was national and international in scope. And so it's not just those people, but it's the best take of what those people can produce that is then improved by editors and and other people that are packaging the experience in just the right way. Well, now, in the 21st century, with social media, those technologies have been distributed to the masses. So we're not comparing ourselves to other real people so much anymore. And, you know, in the first place, social comparison is a, a road to madness. You know, we, we need to compare ourselves to ourselves, and, and that's it. But we naturally do it. It's deeply ingrained. We're working against social comparisons where we are always going to be on the losing end. And then a fifth thing that we are working against when we're trying to develop a positive mindset is that we often feel lost and untethered. When we feel lost, unconnected, unsure, ambiguous, we tend to fill in the blanks with negatives. So we have all of these general tendencies to look for the negative or uh, to fill in the blanks with negative possibilities to begin with. And then we also have, each and every one of us as an individual, we have something called, I love this term, hedonic set point. Hedonic set point. It's a great term. And, and what does that mean? Hedonic means of or related to pleasure or displeasure, right? So we all have a baseline level of positivity or negativity that, that we kind of return to. So all things being equal, if we're relaxed, if we're just hanging out, the hedonic set point is that that relative pleasure or satisfaction with the world that we return to. And some people have a relatively positive baseline, and some people have a relatively more negative baseline. And you probably know which one you are. This is part of our disposition. This is part of our personality, right? But disposition is like the climate, and mood is like the weather. Okay? So within our our climate our disposition 
moods are changing all the time. And, and you really have to work at it to keep one particular mood. So emotions happen in our responses to things going on in our external environment. So physical, social, cultural, informational environment. And our internal environment. Our disposition, our body. Do we have, you know, aches and pains or an upset stomach, you would be shocked. There, there, there is good research now that indicates that, that if you have an upset stomach, you are less likely to be charitable. And this brings me to the last thing I want you to consider as we head into a break. And that is, is there an actual reason why you're feeling down? We all have this stuff called free-floating affect. So it's part of our internal weather. Our, our affect, our emotions are just naturally changing. They're, they're always you know, going along. And there's and there usually several things going on at once, right? Then we have to make sense of it. We try to impose that story on it that, that we do. And we try to assign... Technically, it's called cathecting that emotion to an object. We try to give it a reason. So if you wake up in a bad mood and you're kind of surly that morning, you try to put a reason to it. But the fact is, we often don't have any reason whatsoever. It's just free-floating affect. And if you happen to have a relatively negative disposition, a lot of your free-floating affect is going to be more negative than positive. So what I'm telling you is if you tend to be in a bad mood, it may well be you don't have any good reason for it. You've just done what humans tend to do and figured out some kind of pattern, even if it doesn't really exist. You may be poo-pooing my idea right here also, but, but if you are, chances are you need to think about it more. And I will let you do that as we take a quick break. We all have challenges. Mine is multiple sclerosis. We each have this one life. And we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness. But there's a better way. So I choose to just jump. And you can too. It's your life. Live it well. Just jump. Dot life. If somebody tells you to look on the bright side, there's a little bit of confusion about what that actually means. As humans, we make all kinds of judgments all the time, positive and negative. And when we're talking about happy, being happy, looking on the bright side, having a positive mindset, we're really, more than anything else, talking about two of these. One is whether or not something is pleasurable. And the second is whether or not something is meaningful. We derive a lot of happiness out of each of those things. They appeal to different parts of our personality and different, at different times and places uh, they seem more or less appropriate. But to one degree or another we, everybody, needs some of each. We, we need some stuff that's just pleasurable, that's just fun. And we need some stuff that is meaningful. So, when we talk about a positive mindset, it's not talking about being vacuously cheerful all the time. That's annoying. 
and it's it's unrealistic and it's counterproductive so that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a positive mindset leaving yourself open to the pleasurable and meaningful opportunities that life puts in front of you. And sometimes those are ones you make for yourself, and sometimes those are surprising, serendipitous happenstance. But it's about you being open to whatever pleasurable, meaningful things come your way. And if we're always naturally, automatically vigilant for the negative stuff, that means that what we're having to do is kind of retune our radar, right? And part of having a positive mindset is not about being in denial either. Bad things happen, okay? There, there are some, like, like, for example, you know, there are some people who say, oh, what's the good that's come out of, you know, this awful thing that's happened to you? Well, I will tell you right now, there is nothing good that has come out of me having multiple sclerosis. There's just not. There are, however, I think, a lot of good things that have come from my choice of getting creative in how I've responded to it. But no, there's nothing, you know, good with having MS. It's, uh, it, there just isn't. And this gets at something I've been hinting at all the way through. And it's going back to that this is a choice on your part. And it's not a choice in the, in the easy sense of, oh, I just have to flip an internal switch, right? The choice is to consciously train your perception so that you are being open and receptive and aware and responsive to those opportunities, those pleasurable and those meaningful opportunities that come your way. That's very different, okay? That's, that's you know, choosing to keep working on finding those nuggets. And that's that's pretty cool when you think about it. And in that sense, your mood is your responsibility. If you make it about things that are out of your control, you've already lost. If your mood is bad because somebody else cut in front of you in traffic... You've screwed yourself because you have no control over that. If your mood is bad because some customer was a jerk, you've screwed yourself because that is nothing you have any control over. If your mood is bad because your romantic partner does not want to watch the same movie you want to watch that's on you having a positive mindset building a positive mindset means that you train yourself to take responsibility for the things that you can be responsible for and you absolve yourself of responsibility for things that you cannot do anything about. And so often, we attribute our bad moods to things that are out of our control. But 
that's on you. Don't want to be mean about this, but that's on you. And I'm not saying that I don't do this sometimes myself, too. And then I have to stop, and I have to think, <sighs> self? That's not something you have any control over. You can't do anything about that. And then I, could, I, I take my consciousness back to my happy place, right? But you have to learn to do it. You have to practice it, just like everything else. So, you can't make it about you wanting to control other people. Your life is about you. Other people's lives are about them. When they make choices differently from what you'd like, it's probably not about you. It's probably about them. And it's still your responsibility to fill your time with something else. Simple as that. Here's another reason why you sometimes have a bad mood and you shouldn't. You have a great experience. You go out with, uh, say, a bunch of friends and uh, you go out to eat. And, of course, you know, this is, we're imagining this in a time when we're not having to be masked and socially distant. But we go out and, and we have a lovely time and at the only thing is the waiter is kind of clueless. He's not really very good at what he's doing, and he messes up your orders, and he messes up the bill, and he's... And that's the one thing that sticks in your mind, and you have an, an awful mood out of this because one little part of the experience was negative. And you discount all the other good that was right there in front of you. That's on you. That's, that is a choice you've made. You, you can choose to focus on the good stuff. You just need to learn to recognize this is what you're doing. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's flipping a switch. But I'm saying it is within your ambit of possibility. When you refuse to let life exist in shades of gray, you're probably setting yourself up for negative. There are degrees of good and bad and somewhere in between, and if you can only see this thing in its narrow box as you have defined it as good then you're setting yourself up for trouble if you ignore your opportunities to feel grateful gratitude is one of those things that really lights a lot of our buttons in our brains and if you walk around feeling entitled and resentful that your sense of entitlement has not been lived up to, you are ignoring all of the opportunities for gratitude around you. And all of those things will give you little boosts. If you refuse to see the humor in the world, then that's your choice. Are you really? I mean, I, you know, I'm one of those people that thinks that I, one of the fundamental choices we all have in life is if we pay attention, we are either going to be crying or laughing. The Greek... Tragedy and comedy masks really kind of sum it up, you know. They're, they are the flip sides of one another, and 
It's okay if we find the funny, because really, we are ridiculous, pretentious animals. <laughs> and that's okay. As long as we look good doing it. It's all about the fashion. If you expect to make these changes, if you expect to feel positive too much, too soon, and give up saying, I'm just this way. I just have a negative attitude. Well, you're not. And I give you two reasons why. One, we know from long-term studies where, like say in the teen years and then again in their 70s, they've given the same people five-factor personality inventories. Okay? And they found out that only about 50% of people still have the same personality structure as they did when they were teenagers. In other words, people think personality is a fixed construct in their lives, and it's not. It's just not. Now, it tends to change slowly, uh, but it, it is not fixed. The second thing we know from uh, neural scans of the elderly. You know, we used to think that past a certain point you didn't learn and you didn't grow and you didn't change. And, and now we know that neuroplasticity, the ability, you know, and neurogenesis, the ability to grow new nerves and to change our wiring in our brain lasts until we die. Period. So, that you can't change is the biggest lie you will tell yourself. And the only person that is going to have a, a, an awful time out of you having a bad attitude is you. And the people who choose to stay closest to you. And you will find if you have a bad attitude all the time, fewer people will choose to stay closer to you. So we might as well laugh. We might as well find the gratitude. Don't believe this lie. And when we come back from the break, I will tell you why not and the things that you can do. We all have challenges. Mine is multiple sclerosis. We each have this one life. And we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness. But there's a better way. So I choose to just jump. And you can too. It's your life. Live it well. Justjump.life So we were thinking about this, you know, if you, if you recognize yourself as being a generally negative person and you've told yourself this lie that you cannot change, right? What are the things that you can do? And, and I do want to parenthetically note that you know, again, when I'm saying look on the bright side, I'm not saying that there's some really bad, awful stuff that happens. And you don't have to think that that's good. What, what I'm talking about here is, are you allowing your internal weather to naturally flow to the positive when it can? Right? That's very different. This is, this is not about being, uh, you know, little orphan Annie there. This is, this is about being realistic and also about, when there's a choice, making the choice that improves your quality of life. Okay? And we'll do a whole other episode on, on some of that other stuff as we, as we go along here. Uh, 
So what are some little things that you can do right now to improve your positive mindset? First, change your narrative voice. So we all have these narrative voices that that are are telling the story of what we do and why we're doing it and and some of us will notice that our narrative voices have a lot of really negative words you're lame you're an awful person you're not doing that the way somebody should be doing it. I'm given the G-rated versions of the things that, that these voices say. And my point here is, not necessarily just turn that off, because of course you can't turn that off. That's silly, and, and that's self-defeating. But what we can do is notice the negative words. That's your first step. When you have said something awful about yourself, just notice, oh, that was a negative way to phrase that. That's it. Just notice. Just observe that was negative. That was unnecessarily harsh. Whatever it is, notice that. Then, once you get better at noticing it, you can start substituting something else. You can say, oh, I said something really awful about myself. Well, maybe I could think about it this way. And, and, and just practice giving yourself a better spin on that comment. You're becoming more aware of your internal monologue of your identity story being constructed as you go along. Second thing you can do to improve this positivity is to be open and experimental. For some of us, this is really easy. For others, this is really, really tough. So just choose something that's really small and really inconsequential. When you're sitting down to eat dinner, say, sit in a different chair. Do something to shake up your perspective. Watch TV from a different place. I know we get so ingrained in these habits. But the thing is, we associate particular emotions with different environments and behaviors and things like that. And the things that you can do to shake up those associations is kind of like shaking the Etch-a-Sketch, right? It, it, it allows you the opening to construct new patterns. So pick something small, pick something inconsequential, and do it just a little bit differently. And just do this regularly. Do it once a day. You know, do something, something small, differently. Brush your teeth in a different order. Third thing you can do. Compare yourself to yourself. Whenever you're comparing yourself to somebody else, first step, become aware of it. Next step, then you're saying, oh, yeah, I know a lot more about myself, warts and all, than that other person. And I'm comparing me and my backstage understanding of, of how the sausage is made in my life with their front stage performance. That's not fair. And just realize that. Fourth thing you can do is give yourself permission to relax. Really, to do something, anything, a small thing that is just going to be pleasurable or meaningful. In some small way. And you don't have to do it well. 
You don't have to do anything. Maybe you're just hanging out, watching something, or listening to something that you enjoy. Allow yourself permission to just relax. Do nothing. Sit out on, on the grass and, and watch the clouds. Whatever it is, allow yourself to relax. Five, notice your judgments and move them inward to express your agency. So in other words, when you say, oh, I'm really angry because so-and-so did whatever, right? Pause for a second and say, so-and-so did this. That jerk cut me off. And I responded by being angry and frustrated. See how subtle that is? That's really subtle. But it gives you some distance. And it breaks up this process in your mind. So now you're suddenly starting to think of, oh, he did something. And yeah, he's totally and self-evidently a jerkwad for cutting me off in traffic. I mean, that's, you know, that's without question. However, my reaction was something separate. And I did not need to curse him out until I was red in the face, flipping colorful international gestures at him. I did not need to do that. But you've broken that up and you've and you've moved the action outside and your judgment inside where it belongs and that's something that you have control over and his action is not something you have control over make a list number six make a list i've only got seven of them here so these are you know just a few of the things that you can do Number six, make a list of positive things to refer to when needed. So in other words, sometimes when we're really feeling frustrated or angry or sad or depressed or whatever it is, we have a difficult time thinking of the things that will make us feel better. Make a list when you feel good and just keep it around and, and add to it. Whenever, you, whenever something happens that makes you feel good or happy or... or it's pleasurable or meaningful, jot it down on your list. And now, when you're not feeling that way, you've got something you can go back to and refer to, right? Makes it much more accessible. And that makes it easier for you to access these positive mindset events. Seven Write out negative thoughts and ask questions about them. I kid you not. Tons of research. When we write things out, especially if they're negative experiences, when we write them out, cognitively, they inhabit a different place in the way we're thinking about the world. Now, we're not thinking about it in our head. We're seeing it out there. It provides a certain kind of distance. And once we have a certain kind of distance, then we can interrogate it. We can ask questions about it. We can say, well, why did I feel that way? Is there something else that I could have done to make that a better experience? And so forth. It doesn't have to be detailed. Just write down a sentence, one sentence, two sentences. Here's what happened to me that I'm feeling so bad about. And then you can start breaking it apart. But it makes it easier for you to engage your more recent brain and not your, your deep-seated primal cave child brain. Obviously, on top of all of this, sleep, movement, nutrition, meditation, regular morning routine, a positive environment also help. There are lots and lots and lots of things that you can do to improve your mindset. You have to understand that it's a matter of 1% here, 1% there, half a percent here, 2% someplace else. 
little tiny changes. And they take a long time. One of the things that we are are really want to do with this sort of thing is we'll try it for a little bit. We'll try it for a day or two or for a few hours, and then we'll say, oh, it's not working, and give up on it. That's not the way it works. It's not the way any of this stuff works. This stuff works and works and works in tiny, tiny, tiny little incremental changes that we don't even perceive until suddenly it reaches a threshold and we notice the difference. So you have to be patient when you practice this sort of thing because it's changing you, it's moving you in tiny little ways that will accumulate over time and then so sooner or later you'll notice it. But you've got you've to be that patient. So, after all of this, this has been the first beautiful day around here in a couple of weeks. So, I'm headed off to the drop zone. The challenge I am leaving you with is that you promise that you will do something today that will make you feel good. If you don't know what that is, try something different and pay attention. So I'm going to get in the air. You go forth. Be well, do well, and do good. If you've enjoyed today's topic and want to join the conversation with Dr. Kevin Payne, find Your Life Lived Well on all of your favorite social media sites, Patreon, and of course, yourlifelivedwell.co.